0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya. Currently, the world's largest vaccination drive against COVID 19 is underway in India. And India has a proven track record in such issues as in the case of polio and MMR. So, while there is cautious optimism in the air, there's also anxiety. First, about the effects of the vaccines currently being given in India. And second, about the mutations of the virus that are breaking out in some other countries. To answer our questions about these issues, let's welcome a world renowned virologist, Professor Jameel, the director of the Trivedi School of Biosciences, Ashoka University. Welcome to the show.
1: Pleased to be here.
0: Thank you so much for your time. I'd ask our audience to send us some questions before this interview and I broadly segmented them into three categories. So I thought we could begin with those addressing the basic technology of these vaccines. Um, You know, um, both uh, Covishield and Covaxin, which are being given in India, they use viral vector technologies and some people regard them as safer than those that are being administered in the West, which use mRNA technologies. Could you please explain very briefly and in very simple terms, what is the difference between these two technologies and their relative merits?
1: Well, uh, firstly, Sandhya, I don't uh, agree with this notion that the vaccines that are being used in the West are less safe than the vaccines that are being used here, because after all, every vaccine goes through a very strict safety trial. Uh, So let me circle back and talk about the vaccines that are being used. So if we look at the two vaccines in India, there is Covishield, which is basically the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, which is being manufactured by the Serum Institute of India. Now that is a viral vaccine, uh, a viral vector vaccine, which means that uh, a cold-causing virus called an adenovirus has been engineered to carry the gene for one of the proteins of the coronavirus, the COVID virus. So the viral vector is simply used as a means to transport that gene into our cells. You can sort of think it, think about it like a Trojan horse. Something is packaged into it so that it goes into our cells. The Bharat Biotech vaccine, on the other hand, is not a viral vector vaccine. It's a whole virus vaccine. And the way a whole virus vaccine is made is that you grow a lot of the virus and then you inactivate the virus or kill the virus with a chemical. So this uh, has all the components of the virus in it instead of just one protein which other vaccines bring in. As far as the vaccines that have been approved in West, uh, and I'll... uh, restrict myself at this time to the mRNA vaccines. The mRNA vaccines simply take a piece of RNA called messenger RNA, again, for making the spike protein and sense it into our cells. Now, the cells will take up the RNA, produce the protein from it, and uh, the protein will raise immune response. Now, as far as these three platforms are concerned, the oldest platform is whole virus inactivated vaccine. That is a platform that was first used sometime in 1896 or something. So it's really old platform and many vaccines that are available at this time are based on inactivated viruses. The viral vector platform is a fairly new platform. It was first tested in the West African Ebola outbreak around 2016. At that time, it was not a licensed platform, but it showed very good effect. And that's why that platform people have been using now. The mRNA vaccine technology is a brand new technology. It has never been, no vaccine has been licensed using that technology. So they are completely different platforms but they have all gone through phase 1, 2, and 3 testing for safety. The efficacy data is available on both RNA vaccines from multiple trials. It's also available on the uh, viral vector vaccine, the Covishield, from UK and Brazil, but the Indian phase 3 trial data is not available yet. And the Covaxin, which has also gone through safety trials, the efficacy data for that is not yet available that's only being done in India. So that's the factual position on the three platforms, their safety and efficacy testing.
0: I'll come back to the question of Bharat Biotech's vaccine. But it just occurred to me, what about the uh, vaccines being developed out of Russia? I just read today in The Lancet that it's highly recommended by in the peer-reviewed magazine. So what do you have to
1: say about it? Right. A Russian vaccine is very similar to the Oxford vaccine. That is also based on an adenovirus. The only difference is that the Russian vaccine uses a human adenovirus as a vector. The Oxford vaccine uses a chimpanzee adenovirus as a vector. That's the only difference. So I'm not surprised that the vaccine has shown good efficacy. And yes, we that would be another vaccine in this whole bouquet of vaccines that we're now getting out. All right. So,
0: my next set of questions are about the effectiveness of the vaccines currently being administered in India and the comparative uh, benefits of Covishield and Covaxin. And it's been a very short time since the rollout has happened, but do you think there's enough data to make such a judgment about it, whether either of the vaccines have been effective?
1: Well, effectiveness is tested in two ways. One is in a random placebo-controlled trial, which is essentially a phase 3 trial. And as I said earlier, the phase 3 trial, which determines the efficacy of a vaccine, that result is not yet available for Covaxin. The result is in a way also not available for Covishield because the Indian trial has not been decoded for Covishield. However, similar vaccine made by AstraZeneca has been tested in UK and Brazil, and we have efficacy data from both UK and Brazil. The trouble there is that the UK and Brazil trials were both were done a little differently. In UK trial, it was a half-dose, full-dose trial, whereas the Brazil trial was two full doses. And surprisingly, the UK trial showed an efficacy of 90%, whereas the Brazil trial showed an efficacy of only 62%. AstraZeneca combined those two trials and said, our efficacy is 70.4%. Many of us won't agree with that simply because the protocol followed was different. So they were essentially two different uh, trials. So that's the factual position. So from India, efficacy data for neither vaccine is available. Immunogenicity data is available. Immunogenicity simply means whether the vaccine is effective in raising an immune response. And that is done in phase two. So we know that, but we still don't know the efficacy. So Let me put it this way. We know that both vaccines are safe. So taking the vaccine is not going to harm you. We just don't know how much it will help you in very layman terms.
0: That's good. I think that's the clarity that uh, most of us wanted to get from you. Um, Now, we go ahead and get vaccinated. Why should people still wear masks and maintain social distancing?
1: That is because the end point of testing of all of these vaccines is to prevent disease. The end point is not to prevent infection. So when a vaccine says that, you know, a manufacturer says that my vaccine is 90% effective, that 90% effective is to prevent disease, which means that some people will get infected, Yet, instead of showing severe disease, they will show mild disease, or instead of showing mild disease, they will be asymptomatic, but they'll still get infected. Now, if you get infected, that means that the virus gets into your body, it multiplies to a certain extent, and then the vaccine responses take care of it, and it doesn't multiply enough to cause disease. Now, if a virus has gone in, infected you and multiplied in you, you will put the virus out in your sneeze, in your cough, and therefore you can transmit it to others. So you must wear a mask even after you've had a vaccine. And it's also very important as a social good. I have taken the vaccine, I am protected, but I am still at a risk of transmitting it to others. So therefore, it is my duty to wear a mask and protect others who have not had the luxury of taking a vaccine.
0: All right. So once you're vaccinated, how long will it give us immunity?
1: The honest answer is that we don't know for sure. And that is simply because the follow-up time has not been long enough for us to understand this. We can take a clue from, you know, natural infection. And people have been followed for natural infection now about eight months after infection. And in that, what has been noticed is that antibodies, the neutralizing kind of antibodies, the antibodies that neutralize the virus, go away in anywhere from three to five months. However, there is another part of the immune response, which is called the T-cell response or the cell-mediated immunity that remains. And a memory of the infection remains. So even if you get infected next time around, that memory recall happens and you don't get disease. So the time hasn't really been long enough, especially with vaccines. They've just been rolled out. So we really don't know how long vaccine-related responses will last. But taking a clue from natural infection, taking a clue from other RNA viruses, especially the endemic coronaviruses, we can safely say that the protection will at least be up to a year, possibly more than a year. And again, I would say it would not protect you from infection. It will protect you from disease. All right. So are there any specific age
0: groups that are better able to handle the vaccine than others?
1: Well, all the vaccines have so far been tested only in people that are 18 to 65 years of age. That's the testing that has happened. I think one vaccine has also been tested on ages 12 and above. Uh, But that's why these vaccines are not recommended for children below 12 years of age. How well a vaccine would work would depend upon your own ability to raise an immune response. And each of us differ in our ability to react to a virus, to react to a drug. Even even paracetamol doesn't equally work on all of us. Uh, so those are natural differences. But generally, people who are in reasonably good health, you know, raise a good enough immune response to protect from disease. It gets really dicey when you get to much older people because their immune systems are weaker and therefore they may not raise a very good response. But by and large, most people will raise decent enough response to protect from disease. What about people with comorbidities? Uh, Is it advisable for them to take the vaccine? Yes, absolutely. The vaccine that has been rolled out in a pandemic is really required to do three things. The first is to protect people on the front line healthcare workers who have to take care of the sick and therefore are most at risk is also to reduce mortality. And as we know, the mortality is highest in people who have comorbidities. So they should be vaccinated and they are being vaccinated. And finally, the vaccine in a pandemic is there to break the pandemic. So just like India is is planning to do, India has first rolled out the vaccine in healthcare workers and frontline workers. And next in line would be people above 50 years of and people who are below 50 but with comorbidities. So that's the right approach. People with comorbidities are more at risk and therefore they should be taking the vaccine. What about
0: people who have recovered from COVID-19? Should they also be taking the vaccine or do you think the presence of antibodies would actually work against them and harm them if they take the vaccine?
1: My recommendation would be if you know that you have had covid and you are on priority to get a vaccine, and vaccine supplies are not limited, go ahead and take a vaccine. What it will do is give a booster effect to your immunity. However, if vaccine supplies are limited, the government may ask you to step back and let others take. That has not happened so far in India, because vaccine supply is not really a problem. You know, the problem happens of logistics. Many people, in fact, the majority of people who got infected, had no symptoms. So many of them may not even be knowing whether they got COVID. Now, if we were to implement this, that only those who were not exposed will get the vaccine, then it adds another layer of logistics to first test everyone. That will involve cost as well. Currently, the cost of a COVID test is slightly more than the cost of one Uh, dose of vaccine. So it adds to logistics, it adds to cost, and it's really not needed because vaccine supplies at this point are really not limited. That's very
0: reassuring, uh,
1: Dr. Jamil.
0: Now for the third set of our questions, do you think COVID-19 has moved from being a pandemic to becoming an endemic disease?
1: Not yet. It will eventually in a few years but certainly not yet. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Look at the rates of daily infections that are happening around the world. UK, US, Brazil, variants are emerging, definitely not becoming endemic yet. And I also think that in India, we should not really become complacent that the number of cases, daily cases in India are coming down. UK did that around the middle of last year. Cases in UK had gone down from about 5,000 cases per day to about 500 cases per day. They opened up. People were not wearing masks. People were going on vacations. Look how it has come back. So the last thing we want to do in India is to become complacent, thinking that enough people have been infected and, you know, this whole thing about herd immunity and that therefore we are protected. I would be very, very cautious with that.
0: How long do you think it would take to develop herd immunity?
1: Well, you know, herd immunity is more of a vaccination concept rather than an infection concept. Because vaccination is done uniformly. I can achieve Let's say herd immunity comes at 60% people having been exposed. I can achieve the figure of 60% for India if some states have 100% people exposed and some states have 0% people exposed. Now, that would mean that people in the 0% state would still be susceptible, even though I may think that 60% of India uh, has achieved immunity. So it's a very dicey concept, and I would not really propose that we... Think too much about herd immunity at this point, this is a time to be extra cautious, to be careful and not really think about how the numbers have gone down because if you're not careful numbers can go up just like they have gone down. So
0: that's actually um, a tricky situation we find ourselves in now. There are no lockdowns and the economic activity has to be revived for people to sustain themselves. And you also see, like you said, people being quite complacent or maybe the fatigue has set in. So how long do you think we can expect life to go on like
1: this? Well, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would say that we should continue to wear masks. We should try and avoid crowded places as much as we can. If we have to go there, mask is compulsory, mask is mandatory when you move out of your house. And that's really the only way we are going to break this transmission. Yes, vaccines are coming. Vaccines are being rolled out. It takes time. You know, at full capacity in India now, uh, you can vaccinate about 3 lakh people a day. And India wants to immunize 30 crore people. So do the math and see how long it will take to immunize 30 crore people. If you're only able to immunize, you know, 3 lakh a day, it will take you 1000 days. 1000 days is going to be about three years. So this is the logistics we're talking about. Many of my friends are saying, you know, which vaccine should I take? And my answer to that is, is a vaccine available to you today? It's not. For most of us, it's not. Those who are not healthcare or frontline workers, it's not. So therefore, your only protection is to wear masks and not worry about, you know, just the vaccine being there in a bottle is not going to protect you. The vaccine has to get in your arm to protect you. And that's an important thing to understand. So nothing has changed. Yes, numbers have come down, but I don't think we should be complacent. We should be wearing masks.
0: Thank you so much for your time, uh, Professor Jamil. And I think, uh, you know, you're brought in the right insight into the current situation and hope that people do continue to wear masks and maintain social distancing and not keep worrying, like you said, about which vaccine to take because for most of us, it's not a choice that we have to deal with right now. I hope you enjoyed Listening to this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya, where I've spoken to Professor Shahid Jameel, a world-renowned virologist. I host my podcast on Hubhopper, India's leading podcast creation platform. You can check out more on hubhopperstudio.com. You can also view the video of this interview on the RainTree Media YouTube channel. And don't forget to check out our blog. You can see the links in the episode description. Until I'm back next week with another interesting guest, Mm -hmm. take care. Bye-bye.